Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Kingsway Podcast from Pastor Sean. You are about to hear a brief message from a recent Sunday service. We consider it a privilege to be on a spiritual journey with you. So take a few moments with us and allow God to inspire you today. And how unlikely of a servant to talk on Mother's Day than some bearded male. What is he thinking, Lord? To have me come before mothers and godly women and have to say, this is what a woman should do. This is what a mother should do. I, I can't say that. I have no idea. So I, I'm going to depart from my series this week. I'm going to take a detour. In the weeks to follow, I'm going to finish it up. And if you haven't been following our series, I encourage you to do so. We've talked about God's will in our life. We've talked about him rising up giants inside of us. And today we will talk about the giant inside of every woman that's in this place. Every woman of faith that is here among us. So as I looked at scripture, I said, Lord, I don't know where to start. I pray for my wife. I pray for my children. But I never look to see how to behave as a woman. I don't even know what verses point me there. Look, I'm a young pastor. I am learning as you are. So I went to the only one I knew, my wife. I said, what do you look at? Where do you seek wisdom? Where do you seek knowledge? Without blinking her eyes, she pointed me to Scripture. She pointed me right to Proverbs. I should have known Proverbs is full of wisdom and knowledge. It's full of something for everyone, but it's particularly full of knowledge for godly women. And so I went to Proverbs, and I started from the beginning, and I figured I'd make them all the way through and see what I could learn. And I learned something very interesting. You know, we say God is good all the time, and it's hard sometimes when we have struggles in our lives. It's easy when things are good. But when I got to Proverbs, I realized that one thing that makes serving God hard is when we're scared to death of what's about to happen. When fear grips us, as, as though it does sometimes. And I was surprised when I got into Proverbs, the book of wisdom, the book of knowledge. When I got in there, in the first chapter, I didn't even get a couple verses in, and I found something quite surprising. You see, I found a scripture that talks just about fear, but it put it in a different context, church. The word of God, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Proverbs 1, 7, the very beginning of the book of wisdom, it talks about fear and it talks about a special kind of fear. Fear for the Lord. What does that mean? I've heard it before. I didn't quite have a full understanding until recently when I engaged myself in studying Proverbs, which is all full of scriptures about fearing God and understanding what it means to fear God. It's teaching us how we can be men and women of God. I go through the whole Proverbs and you know, there's 31 chapters in Proverbs all teaching us how to serve God, how to love the Lord. 31 chapters, all talking about that. And when we get to chapter 31, it finally paints a picture of a person capable of fulfilling, fearing the Lord. And you know who this person is? This person is a godly woman. 31 chapters to teach us that it is our godly women who know how to fear the Lord. In fact, the scripture of today says... Charm is deceptive. Beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. A woman who fears the Lord will be praised. Amen. How many of us are grateful that we have women in our lives that fear the Lord? Amen. Amen. 
Thank you, Lord. It is not charm that we look for in our women, the Lord says. It is not beauty which will fade, the Lord says. No. In fact, this scripture, when I woke up this morning and I've been on my hands and knees praying for the Lord to help me through a message that I'm unqualified to talk about, wondering if I had the right scripture. And then there's the Bible app who sends scriptures out to hundreds of millions of people all around the world, and it's this scripture today. Maybe all women really know where the Bible says of how to be a godly woman, how to fear the Lord. And so today, I want to talk about two things. I want to talk about what the Bible says is a godly woman and what makes up a godly woman. And that leads me to the second thing, which applies to all of us today. And I'm going to start with that. It is, what does it mean to fear the Lord? What does that mean? How can we understand that? Because I believe it will apply to each and every one of us. What does a woman who fears God look like today? For that matter, how should anyone understand what it is to fear the Lord? Some think of fear in a natural sense, the emotion that invokes anxiety and worries for the worst. And therefore, for some, the fear of God is, well, it's the fear of his judgment, the fear of punishment, ultimately the fear of death. Well, this week, I've been pondering death quite a bit. And you see, it's thinking through death that it became more clear to me how the believer is supposed to understand the concept of fear, and specifically, the fear of God. We are not supposed to be scared of death. We are not supposed to be scared of dying. For it is only in death that we can truly live, that we can truly come into his presence forevermore, truly embrace his love the way it was intended to be, with nothing of this world holding us back. Free from the burdens, from the plans, from our distractions of this planet. When we breathe our last breath here, we will live our next moment covered in his presence, closer to him, than we ever could be here on earth. You see, it's about this closeness that God wants us to dwell on today. Closeness to him. In a sense, we ought to welcome death, the day we can touch God and be together close with him eternally. I submit to you today that to fear the Lord is to desperately desire his presence. So much that, in fact, we fear anything that moves us away from it. We fear not to be with him. Anything that may separate us from his closeness, we would fear. And how how could we be separated from God? Well, it's through sin, of course. Sin separates us from his presence, Exodus 20, 20 has led me to this scripture. It is so clear to me now what he was trying to say. Let's take a look at it together. Don't be afraid. God has come to test you. It continues, so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. Sometimes I hear fearing the Lord is to respect God. Or maybe worse, to be afraid of him. 
The Bible gives no room for such a lazy interpretation of fear. This verse teaches us that we are not to be frightened. We are not to be scared. In fact, God is testing us. Why is he testing us? To teach us something so that we may learn something. What is it that we need to learn? That we need the fear of God to keep us from sinning, of course. That we need a desire and an understanding of him so close that we would never choose to leave him. Our fear is of leaving him. Our fear is of running away. Hopefully this is making some sense. That's the word of God. I'm going to get into it in a bit more, but I asked the Lord for some visual, something creative to help me understand what I'm trying to explain to you. And immediately, quickly, it came to mind. I had to look far. I just looked into my family. I saw my children. I saw what was going on. And this image came to mind. I don't intend or mean to scare you, but often a picture of dogs like this will do just that. Maybe it's because of their broad chest or maybe the chains that are wrapped around their neck. Or maybe it's because you know in your mind what these dogs represent in the media, in society. These are Staffordshire Terriers, otherwise known as the bully breeds, otherwise known as the pit bull, otherwise known as the dog that shouldn't be around children or people. You see, it is not dogs that are evil. It is not dogs that are dangerous. It's the people around them. They are merely a reflection of those around us. But I want to talk specifically about these dogs. In these dogs, society has told us to not be around them, to not get close, to be scared, to be gripped with fear. They've told us in apartment buildings, you can't have them. In certain communities, the breed is not allowed. In certain homeowners associations, we will not have them here. In homeowners insurance, we will not cover them. They want us to be afraid. And if you see these dogs in a neighborhood, in a, a home, in a yard, you may not come close. And in fact, the dogs may look like this, and they may look intimidating. We have such dogs. My family and I, we have two pit bulls. One is named Olympus. He is the male. The other is Sugar Plum. She is the female. And if my dogs are standing at the door, the window, when you approach our home and you gaze on them like this, you may be struck with such fear. You may wonder what's going to happen if I go into that house. As do many people who wonder what's happening in the house of God. They look at God as a fearful thing. They wonder what he's going to do, damn them, punish them, hurt them, his wrath upon them. And then they come into the house of God and see something totally different, much like you will when you come into my house and commune with my pit bulls. You'll learn instantly once you come through those doors that these are not ravaging machines. These are little tanks of love. They want to cuddle up next to you. They want to lick you. They want to hug you. And they're okay if you want to squeeze them real tight by the neck. They can handle it. And they love my children more than you could ever imagine. Now, don't look down on me for these pictures, but I tell you, my dogs are special. Griffin, sitting on the right there, is with Sugar Plum, and he calls Sugar Plum his girlfriend. He spends every waking moment with this dog. He plays with this dog, talks to this dog. He sleeps on this dog, and she comforts him. On the left, you have Olympus, Ali, as we call him, and he does as well. And he uses his breed, his attentiveness, his watchful eye to look out after him even when he's asleep. 
And he does this, and she does this for all of us in the family. I teach my children to never be afraid of dogs, even, even the ones that look mean. We approach them. We never turn our backs on them, and we never run away. See, when you turn your back on an aggressive dog and you run away, you incite the dog. Dog gets excited. It may chase you. It may even jump on you. That may be horrifying. And you've seen things on TV that I'm sure are tragic. The fear is to run away, do you see? That's the fear that God is trying to teach us to not run away from him, to not be away from his presence. He wants us to be in his presence. He wants us to love him so much that when we're in his presence, we would not fear him, but we would grab him by the neck and we would hold on desperately as my children do for our dogs. It's as if that scripture was saying, do not fear me like you fear these dogs. Come closer to me. And in this closeness, there is refuge. There is protection. And keep the fear of the Lord inside of you, lest you try and run away. Pastor John Piper, Desiring God, he says it like this. If you are running from God because you are afraid of him, then you are not yet as afraid as you ought to be. In fact, your very flight is a mockery of God, presuming to think you could outrun him like a scary dog. If you really fear him and you love your own life, stop running, turn around, and hug his neck for dear life. He will lick your face. The fear of the Lord is to fear fleeing out of his fellowship into the way of sin. Therefore, the fear of the Lord is full of peace and security and hope. It keeps us near to the merciful heart of God. He is our fortress. He is our refuge. He is our sanctuary. He is our shield. The Bible teaches this all over Scripture, all over. Isaiah, I looked to Isaiah. It didn't take long. It teaches, the Lord of hosts, let him be your fear, and he will become your sanctuary. Do you see how he's juxtaposing what we think of anxiety and scaredness with his sanctuary? A proper fear of the Lord keeps us under his shadow of his wings where we are not to be afraid. It is in there, in this fear of the Lord, that comes with tremendous blessing, like my kids get with our dogs. But now let's go to Scripture. Let's take a look at what the Bible says, because you may not be convinced. I want to turn you to Psalms, because Proverbs is all about how we live for the Lord, and Psalms is all about the blessings of doing so. Let's take a look at what it says here. Psalms 25, 14. The Lord is a friend to those who fear him. He teaches them his covenant. Psalms 31, 19. How great is the goodness you have stored up for those who fear you. Psalms 34, 7. For the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. Sound familiar? And Psalms 145, verse 19. He grants the desires of those who fear him. He hears the cries for help and rescues them. Does this sound like the kind of fear Satan wants to grip you with? Does this sound like the kind of fear that is marked with darkness 
and worry and anxiety, this does not sound like that type of fear. For in the fear of the Lord, there is blessing, there is protection, there is refuge. And for me and my house, we will serve that Lord. Fearing God is being in his love. It's trusting him. It's never leaving. In fact, it's never wanting to leave him. Now, church, a woman who fears the Lord is special. She will not run away from God to satisfy her longings or her anxieties. She will wait on the Lord. She will hope in God. She will stay so close to the heart of God and trust his promises. The prospect of departing into the way of sin is too fearful to think about and the benefits of nestling in the shadow of the Almighty Father too glorious to leave. Heavenly Father, I pray this moment that you would grip every woman in here with the fear of the Lord. Grip every man in here with the prospect of understanding more closely what it is to fear properly and whom it is to fear. And Father, I pray as we get into your word, once again, you teach us how we can desperately desire your presence. In Jesus' name, and the church says, amen. Church, I'd love to turn to scripture now and just spend a few moments, just a few moments here, about 10 minutes, I wanna, I wanna talk about godly women. And I, again, I'm not qualified, so I go to the, the scripture, and as I mentioned, there's 31 chapters in Proverbs, and 31 is all about mighty women of God, godly women. If you could open your Bibles with me, Proverbs chapter 31 is the place to be. If you don't have one, it's okay. I'm going to read a bunch of them to you. I want to introduce chapter 31. At around verse 10 to the 31st verse, there are 31 verses. From 10 to 31, that's 22 verses. And immediately when I counted 22 verses, I learned 22 characteristics of a godly woman. 22, 22. Why is 22 interesting? You see, nothing with God is by chance. His ways are above our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. But I've studied the Hebrew language. I know what 22 represents. There are 22 letters in the Hebrew language, exactly 22 in their alphabet. And this is a poem. It's an acrostic. You know what an acrostic is, right? It's when the letters of a word mean something. A for apple, B for boy, C for cat. And you write a poem that way. We probably are doing it in kids' church right now for moms. Well, this acrostic here is 22 verses, each letter of the alphabet describing what it is to be a godly woman. So I figured I shouldn't improvise today. I should just go to the source. And I want to read you not all 22. We don't have time for that. I wanted the Lord to pick some out for me, some that stuck in my mind. And, and a couple of these I didn't understand. I could, that doesn't sound like the women I know. Honey, explain to me what this means. And my wife instantly, instantly, as if she was born with the knowledge, spoke like she was a great commentary of Scripture. And I said, whoa, I can't take notes fast enough. And she said, you better watch out. You won't read those notes. And I couldn't. So after she left, I had to study and study again and rewrite them. So I wrote them down so I wouldn't forget. And forgive me, I don't have my glasses today. I don't know where they are. Um, maybe we can make the, is the lights, is, is this as bright as it gets? Because I feel like I can't see. But that's okay. I'm going to get in. I want to turn to Proverbs 31. I want to start at verse 13. You can look at it with me. But it says this. She finds wool and flax and busily spins it. This is how it starts to talk about a godly woman. 
She finds wool and flax and busily spins it. Crafty, this woman is. Crafty and proficient. She has skill, this godly woman. In fact, when I read that, I think of manufacturer. She's a manufacturer. There are plenty of manufacturers among us today. Verse 14, she is like a merchant's ship bringing food from afar. A merchant's ship bringing food from afar? This is a godly woman, and she's thrifty. She can find what she needs anywhere she needs to go, even if she has to go far. And when she goes far, she's willing to get enough for everyone. She's generous. This woman of God, she is an importer. Verse 15 says, she gets up before dawn to prepare breakfast for her household and to plan the day's work for her servant girls. This sounds like lots of godly women that I know. Up early in the morning. One trait of lots of, of godly women, and it's not me. I know a lot of them like to get up early and do their devotion, do their prayer time. And what does that say to me? Well, when I thought about getting up early, preparing yourself for the day, working out, for the, the plans of those around you, I thought to myself, I know that. I know what that means. I know. I do this too. Not like my wife does. I do it for my job, you see, because I'm a manager. A godly woman is a manager as well. They manage their day. They manage their time. And they manage it in a special way. You see, when I think about getting up early and working hard and figuring out what to do before even the sun has risen, in sports, we call this type of person a special person. We call them a grinder. It means nothing will stop them that night, not morning. They will grind their way and they will do the hard work when they need to do it. And a godly woman is such a manager. She's a grinder. In verse 16, it says, she'll go and inspect a field and buy it. It says, with her earnings, she then plants a vineyard. A godly woman is a realtor. A godly woman is a farmer. This couldn't be any more clear to me. She is not just something. You fill the blanks. She's not just a mom. She's not just a wife. This says she's a businesswoman. In 17, the Bible says she is energetic and strong and a hard worker. A godly woman is tireless and strong and energetic. And you know how you become energetic and tireless and strong? It's very obvious to me because people ask me all the time, where do you get your energy from? Well, I'll tell you one area where well, I get it from the Lord, of course. But another area here on earth where I get it, I'm healthy and I care about my health. A godly woman cares about their health. A godly woman eats right. A godly woman sleeps right. A godly woman makes sure she's doing the things to keep her body in order so she can be energetic, so she can be strong, so she can be a hard worker. She makes sure we eat right, doesn't she? In 18, it says a godly woman makes sure her dealings are profitable. And her lamp burns late into night. A godly woman's dealings are profitable. I laughed at this one. Because I know my wife's a godly woman, but I also know she can spend. And so I need to remind her that the, even the Bible says we need to be careful with our spending. And we need to spend less than we make and make more than we spend. Amen? My wife also tells me, but you're crazy, honey. You can't just put money away for a rainy day. The only way you can save money is to spend money. I said, what? Well, where's that? And she tells me all the time, really, seriously, the only way you can save money is to spend money. Look at any sale known to man. In order to take advantage of the sale, you need to buy something. And you can't take advantage of the sale unless you purchase it. 
So if there's something that you need, you must buy it, and you should buy it in a thrifty way, like a businesswoman would, like a clever, ingenious, godly woman would when it's on sale. And her lamp burns late into the night. She's a steward, and she doesn't give up. She burns light into the night. 19, her hands are busy spinning thread and her fingers twisting fiber. She's an upholsterer, and she uses her hands. A godly woman puts her hands to work for you, for me, for her household. Verse 20, she extends a helping hand to the poor and opens her arms to the needy. She doesn't just help us and our family and her children, but she sees the needs of all around her, and she helps, and she chips in, and she's a charitable woman. She is blessed, so she blesses others. She loved, so she loves others. She is forgiven, so she forgives others. In verse 21, it says, She has no fear for winter of her household, for everyone has warm clothes. This means she takes care of us. Godly women take care of all around her. And she's unfazed by the seasons. She's not one way in the summer and one way into winter. She's not scared of her conditions, her environment. She's not driven by emotion, by what's going on around her. A godly woman is unfazed when the difficult times come because she knows that your children will be warm. She knows that God has a plan. Amen. In verse 22, she makes her own bedspreads and she dresses in fine linen and purple gowns. A godly woman is a seamstress. She's able to provide for her family using the resources that she has. And you know, here I enjoy this. She dresses in fine linen and purple gowns. A godly woman takes care of herself and is proud of what she looks like, proud of how she carries herself. It's okay for a godly woman to wear nice clothing, to fix her hair, to wear makeup, to look like a godly woman. She has fine taste, and the Lord has refined her taste. It then says in verse 25, one of my favorite verses, she is clothed with strength and dignity, and she laughs without fear of the future. She is clothed with strength and dignity. Where did the strength come from? Clearly, it must have come from that of the Lord. She's physically strong. She's emotionally strong. She's intellectually strong, and she's spiritually strong. And she's clothed in dignity. What does this mean? That godly women are all these, all these wonderful, classy women? Maybe. But when I looked at dignity and I talked to my wife about it, I realized quickly, especially when you think about mothers, that dignity takes on all new meaning. Dignity is when you as a woman can change those dirty diapers in the middle of the night. Because we know the men can't. A godly woman with dignity can wipe the backside of our children. A godly woman with dignity can go through a day without a shower for the greater grace of the family. She can do the dirty dishes and deal with the dirty laundry in a dignified manner because she knows she's doing it for God's glory and through his strength. And she laughs without fear of the future. She laughs at tomorrow. She is not concerned about what Satan is going to throw her way or what he's going to throw towards the kids' way or towards her family way because she knows that God has a plan and his plan is good and his plan is for her to prosper and for a future. Verse 26, when she speaks, her words are wise and she gives instruction with kindness. 
Where does she get these wise words? A godly woman is a counselor. How is she trained to be such a counselor? Well, it's just the verse before. Because she knows that God has a plan and she knows to not fear tomorrow. So she's able to counsel those among her. And she's able to do it with kindness. She isn't bitter to our children. She isn't condescending. She doesn't try to control them. No, what she does is try to love them and remind them that it's not by her will, but by his. And she carefully watches everything in her household and suffers nothing from laziness. She knows all. Doesn't every woman? And she is watchful. She sees all. And she is not lazy. A godly woman is not lazy. I don't care how old you are. A godly woman is not lazy. There are some older women in our presence who exemplify this verse. Miss Annie is still working. Look at Miss Annie, and she is carrying on the years as a godly woman. Thank you, Miss Annie, for the example you set for us. And there are many other women like Miss Shirley and Miss Lily who are still putting their hand to the till. Thank you, Miss Lily, for being here and showing us that godly women are not lazy. We do everything we need to do for the Lord. We make it happen. That's what a godly woman would do. Verse 28, her children stand and bless her. Her husband praises her. I bold at this verse, church, because I wanted you to hear it. I wanted you to see it. A godly woman who wants to be a wife and a mother, here is the ideal wife and mother. Her children stand and bless her. They don't just love mom. They stand up and they know that she has guided them in the right way. And they bless her in return. Her husband praises her. I want to be such a husband that recognizes I have such a godly woman. And I encourage her and her strength. And I pray all you husbands would praise your wife this day. That you would honor her as the scripture gives direction. In 29, and this is clear, there are many virtuous and capable women in the world, but you surpass them all. There are many women who have some of these qualities. There are many capable women who are successful from the outside in the world today, but a godly woman surpasses them all. What is her name, my wife says. This woman is amazing. I can't be this woman. Who is this woman? What is her name? Who is she in the scriptures? Teach me more about her. She asked me, I don't know who this woman is, honey. Let me look. Can I find it? It's only one more verse later. Verse 30, charm is deceptive. You see, her name is not charming. Her name is not the woman who has flowery words or manipulates us to do what she wants us to do. That is not a godly woman. A godly woman is not necessarily a woman who, who depends on her beauty to get through the day. For that beauty will fade. A godly woman looks for beauty somewhere else. It says here, that woman, the godly woman, is the one who fears the Lord. And she will be praised. Father God, I thank you for these godly women today. The ideal woman is not a beauty queen or even recognizable for outward attractiveness. Look, whenever I see a woman, especially who has outer beauty, as a male, my mind races. I then ask myself, can she mother four children? Can she nurse a sick baby? Can she nurture me back to health when I am sick? Can she handle a day when the schedule is only taxi duty, Laundry duty, dirty dish duty, thank you card duty, doctor duty, counselor duty, and dinner duty. 
And that's just a Monday. In a society where physical appearances count so much, it may surprise you that this ideal godly woman here in Proverbs, her appearance is never mentioned, not once. Her attractiveness comes solely from her character. And for those today who hear this and they dwell on kinkeeping, the scripture teaches us an important lesson. Yes, yes, a godly woman's an excellent wife and an excellent mother. But she is also a manufacturer, an importer, a manager, a realtor, a farmer, a seamstress, an upholsterist, and a merchant. But in the end, her strength and dignity does not come from any of her accomplishments. For a godly woman, her strength, her dignity come from the fear of the Lord in her desperate need to be in God's presence. Church, Proverbs begins, the book of wisdom, it begins with instructing us to fear the Lord, and it ends with the picture of a person who can finally do it, a godly woman. This is not a servile, domesticated, retiring individual. Her qualities are admirable. She's a hard worker with foresight, an encourager, concern for the poor, sage advisor, wisdom with handling money, and respect for her spouse. Take these qualities and couple them with the fear of the Lord, and the Bible says you earn success, honor, enjoyment, and self-worth. Thank you today, church, for women who are desperate for God. Thank you for women who embrace God's presence and are afraid of anything short of that. Thank you, Lord, for sending us such women into our lives. Thank you for our sisters, our spouses, and most of all, thank you for our mothers for bringing us here. We at Kingsway hope you enjoyed this message from Pastor Sean. It was not by chance you listened to it. God is speaking to you. If you would like to listen to the complete message, visit kingswaycc.org to find the full sermon podcast. We pray today that this somehow inspired you to draw closer to God and to connect with His people, His purpose, and His power. God bless you.